a swag after boss. Is that, is and welcome to another Paisley? episode of this Notorious Geek Podcast by Webster Style. We will talk about bow ties, comic books, everything in between. I'm your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance. Coming back one more time. And let's jump right into the download. I'm a Jimmy 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 a lot of times I just want something that is very peaceful, uh, very much driven by exploration or puzzle solving. Halo Infinite so far for me has been very uh, kinetic and stressful in a good way with the way the story and the atmosphere that is created is sometimes I don't always want that when I finish my task for the day and have a moment to actually sit down and, and play. So with that one, I finally finished unpacking. So I have completed every single level. In addition to that, I have actually gotten every single achievement for the game. So uh, shout out to Witchbeam for that wonderful game. And again, if you haven't played, it's available for all platforms, I believe. And I believe it's only uh, either 15 or 20 bucks. So it's definitely worth the download. Of course, it's still on Game Pass. So you should definitely download if you have Game Pass. But I'm not here to talk about unpacking. Today's download is The Gunk. The Gunk is an action-adventure video game developed by Image and Form and published by Thunderful Publishing. Now, this is a game that Xbox, Microsoft has touted as one of their... Uh, lead exclusive for Game Pass on the indie game side for the past couple of months and I was always very interested in playing it so once it came out I downloaded it. Now let me give you a bit of a synopsis before I go into my impressions of the game. He stars Ranny, part of a duo of grifty space haulers struggling to make a buck as they chance upon an untouched planet brimming with life. They came in search of valuable resources and it looks like they hit the jackpot. As they uncover the dormant secrets of a shattered civilization, they must battle the curse of a toxic gunk parasite, all while getting caught in a spiral of festering mistrust. Use a trusty power glove to reverse the corruption, uncover secrets of old, and heal the planet. That synopsis right there is very much the heart and soul of the gunk. You play as two places space explorers, Rainy is the main character who you play with as they are trying to basically find new sources of energy to sell for income and when you touch down on the planet it is very uh, the game mechanics are very well done where you learn the basic mechanisms in that first level of how to play the game and then those mechanisms are constantly refined as you go through the game a little bit more is added a little bit more is added and it's just a very not a steep learning curve, but a very uh, well-graded ramp up to how to utilize all of the mechanisms at Rainy's disposal and how you can further interact with the world. The mechanics or the play style of the gunk is just very fun. I love the fact that the story itself, or I should say the game itself, is so story-driven. Is not so much action set piece story action set piece story is very much about exploration and story and then you're constantly talking to and I forget your can um, your shipmate 
who I think is more than a shipmate based on the way the interaction is. Uh, their dialogue about the planet and what they discover and you learn more and more not just through the visuals that are presented but also through the dialogue as presented between the two main protagonists of the game and I am about three hours into it now I think I'm on level five or so so I don't know I think I'm about halfway through the game if not I'm almost there because I believe the game is only about a six to eight hour game maybe not it's not a relatively long game but it's an indie game it's only 30 bucks if you do not have game pass i honestly think this is well worth the money it is a fun game and just the exploration of the planet and uncovering all of the secrets i've just been having a really good time with this game and i look forward to finishing it very soon and one of the added bonuses of this game is that if you have game pass it is in the cloud and it has touch controls on uh... the phone for you to use if you don't have your controller and i tried out the touch controls actually this morning while i was sipping my morning coffee at starbucks and i have to say i was really impressed i don't like touch controls on phones pretty much at all and there are a few games i've tried via xbox cloud on xbox game pass that i've actually liked playing with the touch controls and the gunk is actually one that i would say if you don't have your controller the touch controls work just fine so that's definitely something i would recommend and honestly one of the things i would say if you do not have an xbox now let me back up I am not a Microsoft show. I am not getting any kind of kickback for recommending games that are exclusively on Xbox, which is what the gunk is. And from what I've been reading, it's going to be there for the considerable future. But it is something where you can literally plunk down $14.99 for Game Pass Ultimate and literally have your gaming system in your pocket or through your PC. I actually saw one of the commentators on G4 the other day when they were talking about the scope or the predictions for the Xbox platform in 2022 and she basically said talked about the games and the games that she was playing because of Game Pass she wasn't able to find and hasn't been able to find an Xbox Series S or X and just recently got a PlayStation 5 which is literally sitting there because there's nothing on it that she's interested in playing that's exclusive but she has Game Pass and she has a PC so she's able to play all of these games if not PC versions but via the cloud implementation of Game Pass so I would definitely say if you're interested in any of these games that are Xbox exclusive try out Game Pass if most of the times your first month is just a dollar so it really will only cost you a dollar to try some of these games out to see if you like them or not hey who knows it may be something you want to subscribe to in the future or if you listen a couple episodes back I'll tell you why I told you how you can get game pass for free game pass ultimate not just game pass PC or regular game pass game pass ultimate which gives you everything all the kit and caboodle that comes with game pass so that is my take on the gunk now it's time for the podcast spotlight now i will have to tell you that none of the podcasts that i highlight on the podcast are ones that i don't listen to and i don't mean i listen to it once just to give a recommendation i've listened to multiple episodes and many of them are things i listen to weekly i say all that to say i'm not going to recommend something to you i don't listen to myself <laughs> 
And this week's recommendation is, or this week's spotlight is, Opinions While Black. It's described as the most sober conversation you could ever have or ever ask for from the least sober team in podcasting. Oz Longworth and D. Randall deliver a black-ass cheat sheet to the week in foolishness. Now, let me tell you, uh, the Opinions While Black podcast is one I've been listening to for a very long time, and it is one that I always, um, I'm always laughing, just a perspective, and again, from a black perspective on life, on things that happen in the world, and one of the things I really love is the I guess I don't know if it's song spotlight that they usually spotlight a song and usually sort of R&B up tempo, but it's from they're from artists usually that you don't hear of in the mainstream and they have a playlist on Spotify with all the songs they recommended from over the years. So I advise you to check that out. But you will leave laughing and just saying, hmm, or I totally agree with that. Or sometimes you may want to cuss one of them out by the time everything is said and done. But it is definitely an enjoyable podcast to listen to. And it's a lengthy one as well, usually ranging from an hour and a half or so to two hours. And it's one you're definitely going to get a lot of enjoyment out of. So that is my podcast spotlight for the week. Opinions While Black with Oz Longworth and D. Randall. Now, moving out of the podcast spotlight. This past week, we saw the release of Spider-Man No Way Home and a very prominent cast member of that movie, Doctor Strange, is going to be starring in his next movie, the second movie in the Doctor Strange uh, movie franchise, excuse me, franchise. And obviously, the events of Doctor Strange are going to bleed out of the events of Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness just dropped this debut trailer and let me say wow we knew that scarlet which was very prominent part there were many rumors that she was actually being the villain or going to be the villain that doesn't seem the case Barry Mordo was back we also see first images of america chavez aka miss america and it looks like and i'm not totally sure that the doctor strange from the what if universe or the what if television series is actually going to be a part of this movie so it's very interesting now also what happened or what came out was there were toy leaks or samples that came out online official pictures of the toys came out online and one of those toys was sleepwalker now i have no idea if sleepwalker is a part of this movie but i hope so um sleepwalker is a creature from the dream dimension i think it's dream dimension in the comics he was bonded with rick sheridan and rick sheridan's mind was a way for him out of the dimension into our world when he slept and it created the symbiosis um of the two um or really symbiosis between the two to allow you know rick to really be a part of the world and the sleepwalker to then be released when he needed to and i speak on sleepwalker because of the marvel's 90 creations those big wave of new characters like the new warriors dark hawk sleepwalker was my favorite and still is to this day so outside of the fact that the trailer for doctor strange and the multiverse looks amazing I am eagerly excited to see if Sleepwalker 
plays a part in this whole multiverse madness no pun intended that's going to be happening in this movie so i'm excited i'm mad that we have to wait until march that means we don't get a new marvel movie until march but of course i still have to see shang chung and eternals and no way home but i got my tickets for no way home on monday so by the time i do the next podcast you'll see it and then hopefully over this holiday i'll be able to watch shang chung shang chi i always get it wrong and then eternals will be on disney plus january the 12th so that'll give you plenty of time to catch up on the last couple of mcu movies before doctor strange comes out actually no, i think it's may not march either way it's not out till at least first quarter second quarter next year so i'm excited for it so with that i'm going to take a break and then come back and we'll talk about our hidden gems we're going to talk some comic reviews actually and then of course we'll get to our fragrance of the week and we're back from the break now i actually have some comics to talk about this week go figure one of the comics, or I should say the first comic I'm going to talk about is X-Force Killshot. Now, it is hard to believe that it has been 30 years since the publication of the original X-Force number one. That means I was 12 to 13 years old when Xbox, excuse me, X-Force number one came out and I still have I have multiple copies but I have one copy here uh, in the poly bag still which I'm never going to open because you know back in the day what we did was anytime when they had those special comics we bought multiple copies so we bought one to keep in the bag and we bought one to read now I'm like I don't care I just want to read it but everything is or so many things are available digitally now that you know you don't really have to read the comics that you buy physically speaking anymore so they brought back X-Force Creator Live Rob Liefeld I cannot talk anymore Rob Liefeld in addition to Chad Bowers writing Rob Liefeld on art there are whole host of colorists and then letters as well for a one shot adventure which is really a greatest hits of X-Force throughout the years you have a team x-force team constructive different versions of x-force different versions of cable domino the thing is even thrown in there different versions of deadpool major x who i didn't know who he was until this book and i had to look him up and he is actually the son of cable and storm from a one of those alternate earths so i'm like that's interesting so that's something i have to go back and look up to find out more about major x and they're going up against strife and the mlf or the mutant liberation front in order to stop them from some sort of world ending bomb or something going off the story itself is a bit not nonsensical but incoherent especially when you get toward the end because it kind of just ends but i love that because it's so it's very much that 90s style in many respects it's that lots of action um liefeld gives us the shoulder pads and, and, and all that jazz as far as his art is concerned and and i will say this i don't think rob liefeld gets enough respect for his storytelling and his panel work he's he's a great story action sort of comic book storyteller and i don't think he ever gets his just due for that i think just people especially back in my day 
always used to criticize him for the endless pouches and the endless humongous shoulder pads and itty bitty bitty little feet but i i think in this day and age he really hopefully is getting credit he deserves as far as his character designs and a lot of things he helped curate and x-force kill shot number one was just a, a fun book to read i wish it was an ongoing series but it is a one shot unfortunately and variant covers i believe there were at least six or seven different various variant covers spotlighting different characters of the team different version of, of those characters on the team that you find in the book and i told my, my man the comic shop look this ain't back in 1992 i'm buying one issue and that's it i'm not collecting all of the issues all the covers not like x-men number one uh when they had like, five different colors covers and they no, no, this is not. This is not that type of party. I'm purchasing one book, and that's it. But if you're looking for a good uh, nostalgic romp into that sort of '90s era X-Men, I definitely, definitely recommend uh, X-Force Killshot. It's brand new, so it should be out in your local comic book shops now, or probably available digitally as well on Comicsology. Now, the next book I'm going to talk about is. Uh, Hardware Season 1, Number 3 from Milestone Media. And this is a book that I I feel bad because I haven't been out to my comic book shop in a while. And I don't have a subscription because I don't I don't buy a lot of books anymore. So I've missed a lot of the current Milestone run after I picked up Static 1 all those months ago. But even though they didn't have any other Milestone issues in stock because once they get in... They are sold out for what I'm told. So they are popular and then selling. They are selling, which is what I'm happy about. But hardware was probably my num was is my number two favorite milestone comic after icon. Excuse me, character after icon. I think if you touch books as a whole, it was definitely icon, blood syndicate back in the day, and then um, hardware my top three milestone books. But I picked up this issue not really knowing what was going on, but I already knew that based on the uh, Milestone Forever book that Curtis Metcalf aka Hardware was being blamed for the anomalies in the gas that was used that caused the Bang Babies he was out of a scapegoat so I knew that was going to cause mistrust, distrust and you know he was going to realize and find out about um, Alva and who he was and try to take him down so I know the premise of that story based on just knowing Milestone and that so I didn't really need to know all the details uh, once I got into issue 3 but issue 3 the um, team is Brandon Thomas on the writing Dennis Cohen is the penciler Bill Sinkevich and I hope that said the right inking Chris Sotomayor colors and Rob Lee letter let me tell you now I have not made it any secret that I am a humongous fan of Dennis Cohen. He is really, for me, one of my top three comic book artists, pencilers, what have you, ever, period. I love his work. And there is something so comforting and something that brings out the kid in me reading a hardware book. And he is the penciler. That right then, and um, Bill Sienkiewicz's inks—they are—they work so well together. And I understand also that they've been working together on stuff like this for years. And I probably never noticed when Sienkiewicz was his inker, and and Sienkiewicz is a great artist on, in his own right. 
but they are a perfect pair when it comes to pencils and inks and Cohen's ability to tell his story uh, really enhances Thomas's writing and it's one of those books when I'm not going to get too much in details outside the fact that Curtis is on the run he ends up in I think Thailand and tries to make a deal or get help from Alva's old partner who he started the company with who he double crossed and so he's inclined to help him but then Alva comes at the end with an offer trying to get the partner to turn on Curtis so it's a little bit of intrigue there the book itself the story itself goes by very quickly I'm really looking forward to when all these are collected into trades uh, I don't want to purchase them digitally but of course I might just to catch up with what's been going on but if you are into Milestone you like Milestone you are missing something special uh, with Hardware Season 1 period but this issue three is quick it gets you a lot of story beats and i'm very much interested in issue four so i will not be missing issue four for sure now the final episode of hawkeye has released and that big reveal in the previous episode of vincent nafrio returning as kingpin as you know well know if you listen to this podcast had me super duper excited for this episode especially with the conflict with Yelena and everything going on there was just so much going on well unfortunately in my opinion all of those plot lines going on was a detriment to this episode really being as good as some of the other ones um, I enjoyed the episode and I don't want anyone to mistake my criticisms for me not enjoying the episode but it overall felt very rushed I don't I don't feel like I got as good of a resolution from all the plot lines. I think the Yelena plot line um, and her interaction with Hawkeye gave me the most satisfaction with regards to how it was resolved. Um, and also I just I told you before I think I have a crush on Florence Pugh, so it was just nice it was just very nice to see her uh, on the screen. But I, I think that um it overall was an okay episode. My biggest complaints about the episode was the kingpin. I felt like, first of all, who is dressing the kingpin? They had the standard sort of stereotypical white blazer. But who put him in that blazer and then in this god-awful Hawaiian shirt underneath? He looked so sloppy he didn't look like the kingpin of crime he looked like some two-bit dude who was pretending or at least he was the kingpin of that particular area not the whole city there was no gravitas to the character for Denafio really to grab hold on to like the version of the character that he played in Daredevil there was a this man this kingpin controlled all had his hands in everything that is not something I got from the characterization that they utilize in Hawkeye can we also talk about how in the hell Kate Bishop is going toe-to-toe with the kingpin that makes no sense I mean yes he manhandled her for most of the episode or most of the fight scene and she did utilize her smarts but this goes again into my criticisms of how they played him almost like he was superhuman and 
uh, it was just so disappointing. And even compounding that at the end with his confrontation with Maya, aka Echo, and spoiler alerts, it seems as though she shot him point blank range in that alley. So if this is the end of the Kingpin in MCU, it, it's, oh man, Marvel, you have greatly wasted an opportunity to really expand and explore that character in your current world. And I am not sold on Maya, but I really don't think she did it because I don't think that there is a coming back from that for her to be the quote unquote hero that she's going to be when her own series Echo debuts later on sometime next year. So I, I don't think that actually happened and I, I hope they redeem what they did because Vincent D'Onofrio deserves so much better playing the Kingpin than what they gave him in this last episode. It was really really disappointing and really just lazy in my opinion so with that other criticisms of the episode not so much criticisms i liked no criticism the whole watch thing the whole watch which became the focal point of why all of this even started why he was trying to find these things why they were breaking in they as in the uh, tracksuit mafia or whatever they're called broke into the auction in episode one the reveal of who it belonged to was so lackluster. So it belonged to Clint's wife. It was hers. She was apparently a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And it says number 19. If one understand that was the signature or number of uh, Mockingbird. I think it's Mockingbird. I don't know. I forget. Um, who was played uh, by Adrian, whatever her name is, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And if that's all it was, it was really lackluster. This is one of my biggest issues with the Marvel TV series. They have these humongous central um, dilemmas that really is the cause for everyone being there. So in this case, Attraction Mafia went in to get this Rolex, specifically this Rolex, which pretty much set everything in motion for Kate to don the Ronin outfit and for Clint to get involved and yada, yada, yada. Then flashback to WandaVision, this missing person that Jimmy Woo is trying to find that they called in uh, Monica Rambeau and, and help from S.W.O.R.D. with, yet we never find out who this missing person was. We never find out anything about this person. Now, obviously, they say that we're going to eventually, but that's a pretty big plot thread to just leave and not explain especially that since that was the reason everyone was there same with the Hawkeye series the whole Rolex was the main reason all of this even started in the first place and for it to be simply a throwaway oh it was his wife's Rolex and oh it was no real importance to us outside of it with her time in S.H.I.E.L.D. like that doesn't make any sense so I, I'm really disappointed in that now going for the ups I like the fight scene between Florence Pugh and Haley Steinfeld or Yelena and Kate Bishop because at first I was like how is Kate Bishop going toe to toe but then you realize Yelena is literally playing with her the whole time Yelena could have killed her if she really wanted to but played with her because she liked Kate Bishop and didn't want to hurt her so I liked that choreography and it really told the story of how Yelena is really just playing with her doesn't want to hurt her but still understand what needs to be done I also enjoy Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye overall in this episode and the series in general. Um, I, that is just a role he has down pat. 
Uh, the fight scenes were good. Um, I, I'm warming up to the Echo character just a little bit. I'm still not uh, excited for a series on her own unless you really get some explanations about Kingpin and really establish the Kingpin character, much like the Daredevil series established the Kingpin character. That would be the only reason for me to watch the Echo series when it ultimately comes out. And then, <sighs> Marvel, that post credit scene, really? Really? You really had me waiting for that? I'm not even going to what it is, but if you're waiting for some sort of world building um, new crux of something that's going to happen in the MCU at the post credit scene, you're not getting anything. You're going to be disappointed unless you really wanted to see that Rogers the musical song and dance about the Battle of New York. So, um, I, I do like uh, one thing. I like that Jack got a little bit of a comeuppance um, as the Swordman character uh, during the course of that episode. And I know I harped on the LARPers before, uh, but I do like the way they became Hawkeye's sort of team uh, in this episode. And I, and I liked how they embraced the situation and even uh, their own characters to really help the situation. I really enjoyed that aspect as well. You gave regular folks who are first responders, but you gave them the opportunity to be a little bit more than what they were. And they relished at it. They jumped at it. And they really, you really saw that they enjoyed what they did as far as helping people in that situation. So I've really enjoyed that as well. Overall, the Hawkeye series, uh, now that it's come to a close, it's weird because the Marvel series, I think, have all been good and all have had their strengths and weaknesses. I would say that Hawkeye is probably... Um, next to last uh, before what if so in my case it would be I gotta go with Falcon and Winter Soldier is my number one for the series this year uh, then um, Scarlet Witch I mean WandaVision then Hawkeye excuse me then Loki then Hawkeye then what if that's those are my rankings for the Marvel series that came out uh, this year and or this I guess this is in last year or all of the Marvel series anyway I'm rambling so that's my take on Hawkeye and let's leaving the reviews let's talk about our hidden gems now I'm always surprised that no one talks about this movie if you're a hip hop head even if you're not a hip hop head you know who Outkast are. You know who Andre uh, 3000 and Big Boy are. And everybody always talks about, hey, can we get another album? Or we want another Outkast album. You know, Big Boy's put out a bunch of albums since then. And Andre pops up every now and again on a verse. But I'm always surprised that as much as people love Outkast, no one talks about Idlewild. Their movie musical that they did, and I believe it was 19. I'm sorry, it was 2006. I'm trying to make the movie older than what it is. Um, as something that the the pair did, especially at the height of their musical dominance, they really went out on a limb with video director Brian Barber to craft this very unique tale featuring hip-hop now at that time you had a lot of hip-hop focused movies coming out uh, belly is probably a prime example with nas and dmx uh, directed by little x i think it was little x 
yeah, I forget who they're, or maybe it's Benny Boom. I don't remember. Anyway, you had a lot of those movies coming out with video directors who were very prominent, uh, getting their first crack at a feature film. But all of these films were set in sort of urban, gritty, sort of rap culture, so to speak. This one is one that really stepped outside of the norm and I think that's why people don't remember it as fondly because it was very different it wasn't that that hood movie that people remember like belly uh, it wasn't that uh, it didn't have much to stick out from a streets perspective perspective back then uh, like a belly or like a state property or, or something like that so Ida Wilder's a mucal set in the prohibition era American South where Speakey's performer and club manager named Rooster, that's Big Boy's character, um, must contend with gangsters who have the eyes on the club while the piano player and partner Percival, who obviously is Andre 3000, must choose between his love, Angel, or his obligations to his father. And those obligations were him running the funeral home. Now, this is a movie I haven't seen in years years but I always remember it because it just stood out and actually something I'm going to rewatch this weekend because at the time that this is recording it is currently free to stream on Tubi and I believe they're only uh, less than two weeks left to watch the movie on Tubi for free before it leaves the service so I definitely think you should check out Out of Wild from the Outcast in or as a hidden gem if you haven't watched it you're definitely missing out on a treat now that's the hidden gem. Let's talk about our fragrance of the week. Now this week's fragrance of the week, cold weather edition, is CK1 Shock by Calvin Klein. Now you're gonna have top notes of lavender, clementine, and cucumber, middle notes of cardamom, pepper, basil, and osmanthus, and then base notes of tobacco, amber, patchouli, woodsy notes, and musk. Let me tell you, this is a perfect one. For the cold weather, the lavender and the clementine really work well in the beginning. The same with the cucumber, and it really, I would say it, you get those mid notes, at least on my skin. I get that cardamom and pepper and the basil, but it quickly speeds through the tobacco and the amber. Uh, those and patchouli, those notes are so powerful uh, from a scent profile perspective, in addition to the musk. Now, this is one that. The time of duration varies on my skin. There's sometimes where it lasts really, really long. Some it don't or it does not. Um, but it works very well in the cold weather. And also, it's very inexpensive. You can get a 100 ml bottle for like 20 bucks. Uh, easy in most places. So this is one definitely if you are looking for something that's cold weather appropriate. I would get it, especially something that's very sensual. I always, I always feel the tobacco is a very sensual note, uh, especially paired with the patchouli and the amber. The musk isn't overly heavy, but is a good complement to the rest of those base notes. And one of the things I've done recently is I was put on by Rev DC, who was on the show many, many moons ago. He paired or layered the cremo spice and black vanilla with the CK1 shock and let me tell you that literally lasts all day all day plus some and it was weird because I thought that the black spice with the spice and black vanilla were really overpowered no it really helped to accentuate the tobacco and the patchouli um, as well as the witty notes in the CK1 shock when layered with that spice and black vanilla and I still got that 
spicy vanilla every now and again, especially compared or paired with the spicy notes in the CK1 Shock as well. So I definitely recommend this one for the winter to any and every gentleman, particularly because it is a very low cost investment when it comes to finding a suitable fragrance for the winter months. So that's my take on the fragrance of the week, CK1 Shock by Calvin Klein. And this has been another episode of the Sotorian Geek Podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I've been your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance. Thank you for sharing your ear with me during these past few minutes. Feel free to find us on the web at WebsterStyle.com. Find us on Instagram at WebsterStyle or at Sotorian Geek. Find us on Twitter at WebsterStyle or drop us an email at info at WebsterStyleMagazine.com. Again, Thank you for joining us. Remember, be safe out there and stay blessed. I mean, I can change. I thought, never mind, forget it. I'm a Jenny Jenny Miffinny Muffin if any key when it comes to the killing spree, aka that's an ensemble. Are you the enemy if you're not defending the presence of Millie in the vicinity without a bow tie? Okay, I might have went over the edge. Besides, I really let them clothes on them legs and thighs. Need to get strong, we can lift them to the sky. The party starts to twirl. We got a little time, time, time to get it on. And on fact, I'm the type of pussy on. And after that, take a picture with the I'm choosing what we own. No, it was Tree Green Tuesday. Had to be Bowtie Thursday. Had to be. White Wednesday? Uh, I don't. Well, I know last time. Well, I wore polka.